You're listening to ASD Warrior, a podcast about the journey of getting your PhD in your child on the spectrum. With over a decade of success and challenges, it's time to share and support all of you ASD Warriors. Hosted by your always passionate and wildly intense ASD Warrior teacher, child advocate, and mom, Kathy Galbraith Willoughby. On this episode of ASD Warrior, I want to talk about their world, their mind, where they go to retreat, how they re-energize, refocus, how they enjoy sometimes and see life. And how do we connect sometimes to them when they go there? How do we build trust? How do we learn more? All in an effort to do more for our kids. Don't want to miss. As like each of our kids on the ASD spectrum, they're all very, very different. And so I'm speaking from a place certainly of my own experiences when I say, you know, their world, um, where my son went sometimes to retreat, to rebuild, to kind of re-energize what was going on, what circumstances were around him and, and what he needed to do to just be in those moments and time. You start to see what we call that disconnect in the beginning. And I think that was partly the hardest part for me and something I noticed most in the beginning and before he was diagnosed is his disconnection in his own place, right? Um, doing his own thing, you know, beating to his own drum, uh, not connecting. You know, he for Nathan, he was um, he was talking up to a certain point, made great eye contact. He's always been very affectionate, still is. Um, and then at some point, you know, started to really slowly um, get into his own head. Um, and it wasn't an overnight thing. And it was very hard to see at first because for the most part, normal development, normal things going on in his progression as a child, hitting all milestones, all that kind of good stuff. And so, you know, for us, it took us a while to really, really see it. Of course, there's always those people that, you know, sometimes see it a little bit clearer than you do because they're outside of it. Um, and I had some dear friends and family that noticed it and I'm sure had a hard time telling me, but <laughs> nonetheless was a part of that journey as well. But really it became such a noticeable thing when it was so easy for him to retreat and go into his own head and disconnect. And, you know, as a lot of us see sometimes that kind of glossed over look in their eyes of just really not almost being present. And so we very early on started calling it, you know, his world, their world, you know, however we want to reference it in this podcast today. And, you know, that's, that's hard. It's hard to see and it's hard to then not feel guilty. I didn't notice it sooner. You know, we all go through that kind of um, emotional piece when we have the diagnosis and we go through the stages of grief and, and we're acknowledging what is now different than what we knew. And then the big elephant in the room is the, the, the ability for them to just go somewhere else in their own head, in their own world. And as a parent, you're like, I, I mean, this is your heart outside your body, right? I mean, we love our kids so much. They are, and at least for me, my kids were my life. They are my life, you know? And how do I connect? I, I, you know, and especially when you go through that grief of kind of very slowly kind of losing the connection with your child, you, you want it so badly 
to get back to, to, to that and to build on it and connect more. And I think at first when, you know, we got the diagnosis, I think the theme was, um, which was almost 12, 13 years ago, the theme was cure. We can cure them. Everything was about, if you do this, you do this, we can cure them. Well, we all know very well now that there's no cure. Because I don't look at it sometimes as there's anything wrong. It's just different. And it's identifying different, right? And of course, all our kids have different severities of how it impacts their lives and different things come in and out. And, you know, they have multiple diagnoses. I get it. And, and so I'm not by any means saying that, you know, it's ideal or perfect, but it's different and it's, it's who they are and, and they're wonderful in that, in that space. But at the end of the day, I wanted to connect, right? And, and through that connection, you know, at first it was, you know, we've got to stop this behavior. So it comes back over to me and he acts a certain way and he connects and he stops doing this, Right. He stops behaving in this different way. He stops retreating so much that I, I can't get him to make eye contact because he's just, he's in his head. He's watching the movie theater in his head and, you know, and it, everything else is a dark room and I'm out in the dark room going, hey, hey, how do I get there? Well, after realizing that, you know, it's not about a cure. It's about, for me, it was always about connection. It was about, I need to connect with my baby and, um, I need to see him because I want him to see me and I want him to know how much I love him and how much I'm here for him. So I just started kind of thinking, you know, those times that we just go, okay, I'm not going to watch another, you know, video on autism and ASD and Asperger's and I'm not going to get so caught up in the diagnosis and what does it mean and, and blah, 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 blah. I need to get into him. Right. So I'm like, okay. You know, I'm going to throw everything out. And I'm just going to be like, I need to connect with him. I don't know what it means, what it's going to do. Um, and I went about it in a very unique way. From a standpoint of like, I'm going to join him. I have to get in there. Like I have to be invited into the movie theater. If you know what I mean. If their, their brain is the screen and I'm in the black, I need to get out of the dark. And I need to get into that movie theater. And I need to let him know that it's awesome. And that this is the best movie ever. And I love watching it with him. So that he won't be so afraid sometimes to leave that and go out into the dark with me. Right? Because I'm guiding this. I need to have him be present at times. Right? In the moment. Not in his bubble. And just peripherally skipping through the life that we have. So I'm racking my brain, right? Like, how do I connect? How do I connect? Well, I have to find something that's interesting to him, right? It's not about me anymore. This is, I'm, I put, you know, whatever that looks like. I have no visual now of what future looks like, of what he can, can't do. I, I'm just like, I need to connect and I don't care about the rest. Like, I'll figure it out as I go. So one of the things that I noticed, you know, with, with, with Nathan, he was such a runner, you know, and of course now I know it was just his way of shutting everything else off. I'm just going to run fast and I'm going to stay in my head and I won't hear, see, feel not very much of what's going on in my real world. And so he would do this and, you know, he would be singing songs or humming songs of shows that he watched. And there was a lot of times we were just like, okay, you do that. Cause I've got five other things to do. And then there was other times that I'm like, I need to connect with this kid. So one time I'm in the living room and he's, you know, running back and forth, climbing on the couch, Geronimoing down. I'm like, please, God, don't let him, you know, keep him safe. Don't break a bone. But, you know, there's only so much you can manage at that point. And I noticed the song. Right. So he was 
in love with the show Backyardigans, you know, and as all of us as parents, when our kids love shows, we love shows. I realized a long time ago when I had kids that there was no more humming prints and, you know, Shaka Khan for me. It was the Backyardigan songs. It was the, you know, the Wally songs. I mean, all the movies they were into, that's, that was what played in my head on a regular basis. No more Kathy time, just mommy songs. So, you know, I realized he's singing this song from one of the shows in the Backyardigans and he had watched it a bazillion times. And I'm like, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to go run with him. Now, one of the things that I realized very early on, because, you know, our kids are very sensory overloaded and I'm an extremely animated person, if you can't tell. <laughs> and so, I mean, my facial expressions sometimes are over the top, you know, um, very animated, very loud. And I had to learn very quickly that that's not the best way for Nathan to receive me. Right. So in those moments where I wanted to connect with him, it could not be about me. It could not be about me giving anything or taking from him. Right. It just I had to be I had to really, in a way, teach him how to be present in the moment, how to be in that space. We call it that space bubble of are you present? And even at 15, we work on that with him. So I get in there. I just join him. I don't look at him. I don't touch him. I'm keeping pace with him. I'm not animated. I'm singing at the same tone with the same self-expression that he has the song. It was my way of joining him in his head, saying it's okay, I like it, and I'm also trying not to overstimulate him so that he doesn't stay there, right, in that space. Because what I'm trying to do is in his world, I'm trying to say it's okay and I like it. Because what we don't realize is when we let them stay there sometimes by themselves in their own world, it is separate. It's their retreat. And it's easy. Nobody else likes it. So it becomes very lonely. And I didn't want that for him. And selfishly, I wanted more of him. Because I love, love, love that kid. Right? So I later took it to the next level. So again, I know this show so well. I could, yeah, you know, I could do the lines myself. It's, it is what it is. And I know I'm not, you know, speaking something that somebody else out there doesn't relate to. But, you know, it we started acting things out. And so what I was trying to do in more and more way was say it was okay to leave a little bit of where he was at in his head, come play with me a little bit and let me be a little bit more animated. So I'm actually helping him build connections with people in a relatable way and not get overstimulated. It was like practice, right? So I'm going to be a little animated. I'm going to say it in the voice that the character did. And then he would then start, you know, with, with mimicry and what he memorized from the show saying those things back to me and lo and behold, whether we knew it or not at the time, I'm helping him build language. Now, some people would say, oh, it's mimicry. Yeah, it is. And he sometimes still does that. But what I started to notice was that he uses it appropriately. So how he learns language is through sight, then sound. So he sees an emotion and a picture and then learns what that is, and he's using language. So he doesn't really sometimes learn it the auditory way that's probably most dominant for us, you know, air quotes, neurotypical people. He learns it that way. He mimicries it and tries it, which all of us do and all the kids do when they're younger. We just get very caught up in that their mimicry is almost to tone, to word, to facial expression, because if you think about it, they're verbal learners. They're building imagery to build language. 
So I don't want to digress because I want to keep on my the world piece, but it's uh, it's very important that we understand that because that's how they learn. So these are some of those things that, you know, you're going through and you're all of a sudden connecting. And then, you know, at the moment, I don't have all the insight that I think I do now, you know, in points of reflection, right, of what I learned and what I was teaching him and what I was telling him is that it was safe, that um, I'm a safe place because I joined his world, which is a safe place. And now I'm becoming safe, which allows me to then take it to different levels of communication and connection so that he can learn more, become more and be more comfortable with stepping outside of that world. And that was it. How do we build on that? Right? So then we just, then it became so much fun because he would connect to movies. You know, Wally was a big one. Eva, Wally. And so we were those characters. <laughs> he loved watching Up. It was a very emotional thing. And he would get teary-eyed and, you know, um, what happened with the bird and different things. So I was, I was noticing his emotional thing. And, you know, I would go and hug him and he would hold my hand. And, you know, so all these imagery are building, but I'm, I'm using his strength and his world and how he connects and I'm making connections, right? Good stuff. One of the other ones, and I just have to share this because it's just so dang cute. And it was just, again, a moment to really capitalize on his world, what he loved. And, and he was so quick to join us because of what we did for him. But he loved the movie Happy Feet. Still to this day is a penguin fanatic. So am I. It's our thing. Yes, I still buy him stuffed animals. My new husband is like, maybe you shouldn't. And I'm like, yeah, oh, I like him just as much. But anyway, we were watching, you know, Happy Feet when he was younger. And he, it was perfect. You know, it was perfect for me, too, because it was a lot of the really R&B fun songs in there. It was great to dance to. And I love to dance. And great story. And in a way, I think a very similar thing. And it it really got me that he liked this movie because just to digress for a moment, I do believe that Happy Feet was different. You know, he didn't sing. He used his feet to communicate, to, to connect. Um, and it was so overwhelming when we kind of realized the similarities, not that we, you know, when he was four years old, thought he was cognitively aware of it, but really he connected with the dance and the penguin and, you know, that he didn't feel apart. And, you know, I know that he still struggles with not feeling apart at times. And so anyways, we, we saw him, you know, and I'm going to give you a visual because this kid is still to this day isn't like really to wear clothes. Most of the time he's just in underwear at the house. And when he was a baby, it was just the diaper. And thank God he never learned how to or wanted to take it off. So um, imagine this kid. We got him tap shoes, the smallest, cutest dang tap shoes. And gosh, I wish I would have kept those because they were so cute. Um, but he's, you know, in a diaper, you know, no shirt on, no pants on, little white socks with his black tap shoes all laced up. And he is just He's going, he's on the carpet, he's on, you know, our tile floor. And then we soon realized that, you know, Hey, we've got so much carpet in this house and he likes to dance so much. Let's go get him a wood, you know, like a wood platform. And so we got him one and then we would join him and we would watch him. And we noticed that with that interaction and what we had already done with running up and down with him in songs and really trying to pull language out of what he knew in videos and joining that world and acknowledging it and saying it was okay. And then saying, Hey, come over here and let's, let's do this. 
was really making it easier for him to let us in quicker, to want us to join. He would start to grab our hands so that we would get on the wood plaque with him. And he had tap shoes on. We pretended and got some black shoes on that we had tap shoes on. And we danced with him and he got into it and he was proud of himself. And we're just like, wow. That's what it is. Joining their world, acknowledging their world, you know, seeing, you know, who they are and, and what they do sometimes to, to regain kind of control, right? They go in their head, they go in their world. It's that space, right? It's that thing that they know they can count on. And, and I think in a lot of ways block out. I mean, that's partly why when we finally took him in to get him diagnosed that, you know, was the fact that he was blocking us out. We thought his, his hearing, like he didn't, he had a hearing problem because he was able to focus in on that backyard again show. And, and it was the little genius show too. Anyway, um, I can't remember what that was called, but, um, and he would just rock back and forth. You know, I know you guys all know about the rocking rock back and forth. So he's, you know, physically, you know, controlling what he's doing. It gives him more power to block out. He's watching his show and he knows these shows. He knows what's coming and happening and he couldn't hear anything in the house. We could have stood behind him and said his name, which we did many a times, and he would not respond, right? So knowing that initially that that's where his retreat was, that's where his head was, that's where his world was. Now knowing why he did it and not knowing early on why, you know, really not understanding the disconnect because of the control and the overstimulation and just shutting sensory off as much as they possibly could by controlling and using what they could own in that space, in their world, to shut everything else off. We didn't know that then. I just wanted to connect. And I wanted to find some way that he'd let me in. And now knowing that it was a way that he let me in, it had also showed him that it was okay. And that I wasn't going to say you couldn't go there anymore. In fact, I like it. Let's go together. But every once in a while, can you come over here? Can you let me teach you how to tie your shoes? Can you let me teach you how to use a fork? right? Because it was safe. Because I wasn't saying it was bad. I wasn't saying that what he did wasn't good. I was saying, hey, I'm going to jump over and play with you. Can you play with me for a minute? I just want to show you this one thing. Well, yeah, it became easier. He trusted. Now I have to tell you that even to sometimes this day, I do struggle, you know, as we all do. And, you know, I, And I think it goes back to, I mean, I try to analyze, I analyze everything. I try to analyze it, you know, as to why I get sometimes the way I do, you know, we all do a lot of self-reflection too. And um, because I was bullied so much and part of who I am, you know, when I was bullied at a young age is that you always try to anticipate and, and not, not put yourself in a place where people saw it or saw the difference. Right. So, you know, here's the, the catch 22. Then I have a child on the spectrum, Right that acts different. So, wow. Okay. So I'm bullied. I learned how to do this to just keep myself in the game, right? Keep myself social. So I have friends, so I don't get picked on so much at school. And yet I have a child that causes attention. Like he acts different. So there's a lot of still growth as a parent. It's like, not like when you have kids, you stop growing. There's continual growth. And I feel like, you know, even in the last two or three years, I've probably grown so much. And, um, and it's this kid, (laughs) he really, makes me push my own envelope. And the reason why I say that is because he and I go to the gym probably three or four times a week. Part of it is his PE. Um, I'm blessed that I can homeschool him in a blended program. And we go to, we go to work out and it's obviously good for him. 
and it's the only way he gets chicken nuggets. So that's another story for another day. But um, so we go to the gym and he really gets into his music, right? Really gets into it and watches his YouTube and these YouTube shows. They have characters sometimes that are very, very animated and he starts acting them out on the elliptical. And I'm like, uh, uh, no, Mm -mm. Mm -mm. don't do that. And it's partly me, you know, do or should I really care what people think? Right. I, I shouldn't. I do sometimes. That is my cross to bear. And I'm working on that. But I also was like, okay, so I need to talk to him because this kind of behavior makes people look at him differently. Is he okay with that? Because if he's okay with it, then I need to be okay with it, right? Like I need to get over my own stuff, right? So, you know, one day he was doing something and <laughs> he's getting into his music and he looks up in the, in the sky and he opens his mouth and he's acting like some, you know, light funnel portal thing. And I'm like, okay, what are you doing? I'm like, you need to stop. And we have this hand gesture that I do. And, and he knows that I'm like, tone it down. Right. And, um, so we get in the car and he's like, why did you do that? And, da, 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 da. and I said, listen, okay, first of all, somebody was looking at you funny. I just needed to let you know. And I'm okay if you don't care. Like that is your choice. This is your life. But I will tell you that when you act like that, it causes people to look at you differently. And if you're okay with it, you're okay. That's great. That's great. But if you're not, then I need to kind of let you know maybe what's appropriate. Right. So he's just looking at me like, you know, eyes glossed over like appropriate. What? So then I, you know, backtrack a little bit, explain it to him. Hey, you know, you can bebop on the elliptical. I mean, mommy enjoys her music on there too. And I get into it and all that kind of stuff. But I do kind of what is socially normal. Here's what socially norm is and what it looks like. Okay. So that's okay. You can do that. You can also do more if you want to, because again, I don't want to take anything away from you. And if you don't care, then do full out. And that's cool. You just shocked me because it was so out of line. And I said, I was kind of worried that, you know, flicking your head back like that, you're going to fall off the elliptical. I mean, you kind of get you in balance. He kind of looks at me and goes, okay. He goes, no, I don't want people to look at me funny, mom. But I do want to enjoy my music and my YouTube when I'm working out. Done. Okay. So we talked about it. You know, I said, hey, why don't you try this? You know, you can get into it like this. And then I started thinking, I don't, I don't want to take this as an opportunity to, to not use it to let other people know that maybe they should enjoy working out more too. Cause you know what I'm talking about. There's always those people out there that act a certain way. They don't smile. They don't bebop. They don't do anything. They just clearly work out and they have to be prim and proper and perfect, you know, and you're like, and I kind of fell prey to that because again, if you go back to the fact that I was bullied so much when I was younger, Mine was mimicry of behavior so that I don't get picked on, right? So there's a little bit of that in me. I, I, it's true, right? And so I'm sitting there having the moment like, we got, we got to start helping people get that these kids, they're one in 54. Like they're different and they're brilliant and wonderful and lovely and the most charming. I swear they're angels on earth. I really, really think so. So why do I want to derail that? Why do I want to not support that? Of course, he doesn't want to be a social outcast. So I've given him like some parameters to help him. Right. And he appreciates that. But I don't want to shut it off completely and not give an opportunity for other people to see how great he is and how wonderful and he's different. And but he's one he's having a good time and he's working out and all these kind of great things. So I decide when we're working out, well, I'm going to get into it. And every time he does something that's a little over the top because he still gets into it a little bit too much, 
I look at him with the biggest smile, like, I like it. And I want people to see me smile at him, right? Because I don't want to be that parent in the way I was acting before of like, don't do that. You know, even when he was younger, don't act that way. And I acknowledge that that was hard, but that's why I got into his world and I wanted to connect with him. And the more and more I've done that after, you know, he's 15 years old now, the more I see him and I get him and I know his wants and what he wants for his life and needs and all that kind of good stuff. So I can help him, but I also don't want to close off the opportunity for us to kind of start to recognize society and for everybody to just relax and enjoy life a little bit more and not worry about so much about appearances and how they're perceived, but in the enjoyment and being present in that moment. And that's okay. And these kids get that. They can be present in a moment. Sometimes it's just hard for them to be in an outward moment. They're in their heads, but they're enjoying life and they're present and they're in that space. And how do we get them to, to be a part of other things and also help other people see how brilliant and wonderful our kids are and that, yes, they're different and they're wonderful and amazing and different. We have to acknowledge their world. We have to say that it's okay. We have to learn how to respect it and to love it and to also understand it so much that we can help them, right? To help them in those situations, still make their own choices and build confidence from it, not be afraid of it or sad about it or embarrassed about it. And that we have to own our own insecurities as parents and that sometimes that comes out because we're putting these tougher situations and we have have kids that we have to work harder with and that it sometimes makes a lot of other things harder but I also think it makes it better and we we are better people because of them but we have to understand their world we have to respect it and we have to see it and we have to join it and I think that's where some of those initial connections really come into play something we have to really really work on Toolbox time on ASD Warrior. So for this ASD toolbox, finding out what their world is. Where do they go? Where do they retreat? What is it? Is it music? Is it shows? Is it a YouTube video? Is it visual dominant? Is it emotional? Um, is it the same? Does it change? You know, really taking some time to figure it out. You know, how do you figure it out? You know, get in their world, watch what they watch. Um, you know, hear a song, see something that, you know, you've seen in the video before, find a video that's similar and show it to them. It's, it's, how do you connect and say, it's okay. How do we get them to still think that, you know, wherever they go is amazing and they need to, it, it grounds them, it rebuilds them, it energizes them. Right. And it, it just feeds them, but I don't want them to feel like it's wrong. I want to join it. And I hope you do too, to connect. And then whether we're aware of it in those moments when we're really doing it and we're connecting and we're building trust and you're showing love, love of them, of who they are and what makes them happy. We can do that for all of our kids, right? Stop having our own agenda, but create one together. And the first way that you do that is to identify what's important in their world, where they go, how they retreat, how they re-energize and be a part of it. I really love it. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to ASD Warrior. For more information and resources, please connect with us at asdwarrior.com. Subscribe and become a member of the ASD Warrior Village. Together, 
we can do more.